is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dumb Nerds podcast. This is a show where funny people come on to talk about a smart topic they consider themselves to be an amateur expert in. I'm your host, Cassie Jerkins, and today we have on one of my friends for life, known him for years. Uh, we work together frequently, uh, mostly with puppets and animation, and so that's great because he's come on to talk about animation. It is my dear friend, Michael Rosenbaum. Hi! He's the best. I'm very grateful to have him in my life. And yeah, we've we've uh, been on quite a journey of pushing each other to embrace our weirdness and <laughs> keep doing the things that we do, which now involves us making science videos for kids with the YouTube channel Socratica Kids. And we do that with puppets and animation. And it's been a blast. And it's so great to work with him. And then also... We now that we have movie passes and stuff, we go see movies together and you know just continue uh, to be friends and make weird stuff. Uh, so I've been wanting him to come on for a while to talk about animation because he is such a nerd about it. And um, he this past year has been uh, he's already an amazing artist. In this past year, he's leveled up by uh, now doing animation with his artwork, and it's been so cool to watch him do and. Yeah, I knew he'd be a great person to have on to talk about it. And of course he was. He is an artist. He did the logo for Dumb Nerds. So that cute little cat, he did it. You could also see some of his artwork on his Instagram at Wizard Bomb. So be sure to check him out there. It is such a treat to see all the different art that he does. A lot of cute stuff, creepy stuff, pop culture stuff. If you ever uh, get to come over to my place, there is lots of artwork that he's done and given to me over the years that I have around my house, uh, including David Bowie and Bob Dylan. I have a drawing of Ed Wood and Richard Pryor. For one birthday, he drew himself and me like Calvin and Hobbes, and it's, uh, I love it so much. It means a lot to me. Uh, oh, and he's also drawn my cats, so he's great. He's amazing. So check out his artwork on Instagram at Wizard Bomb, and you can check out all the kooky videos we make for kids, mostly about animals and astronomy at Socratica Kids. Today's show is brought to you by BarkBox.com. You can get one free extra month of BarkBox at BoardWalkAudio.com slash BarkBox. And if you haven't, go on to iTunes and please rate and review this show. It helps us get more visible. So that's all the talking I'm going to do because this episode's a treat. So please enjoy my very good dear friend, Michael Rosenbaum, talking about animation. here with probably like one of my favorite people in the whole wide world (laughs) michael rosenbaum got it we've known each other for eight years now at least uh maybe nine nine probably nine in the summer yeah because we met i feel like december of 2009 oh see i didn't even know that date it was like december maybe like 12th or 20th wow oh how cute uh, well i just remember it was like we were auditioning for an improv team in orange County. oh you count the audition date yeah that was, see i don't even I re- met that day yeah i feel like i don't really remember 
I don't remember you from the audition. I'm I my memory oh, is bad fine. like that. Um, no, that's I fine. would I would count like when we officially got on the team and we were rehearsing in and that was I think in your garage. Yes, in my garage. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's I when I was like, okay, this. Uh, I don't know. And then I feel like right away I was like, I don't know if I'm going to click with these people, but I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember liking you. And, uh, well, I remember too, you didn't know I was gay yet. Oh yeah. That took a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think you thought that I liked you or something like that. Yeah. Well, I don't remember quite the details cause I was also in a relationship at the time. So I didn't feel like creeped out, but I was like, but you were like, oh, cause I remember cause like you would call me and we'd talk on the phone for like an hour and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why is this guy? Because I just me. thought you were cool. I don't know. We're talking about improv. Yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. I went all the way to West Hollywood. And that's when you came out to And me. I was like, I'm gay. And she's like, oh, oh that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And I think I was really relieved because I think I was like, hey, we're going to West Hollywood to dance. And you're like, cool, I'm on my way. And then I was like, oh, no, what if, what if. What if this is what if trouble or whatever? Yeah. yeah and no. then, and then, yeah, you were like, I'm gay. And I was like, I'm like, oh, no, I'm gay. And then it was like really great because then it was like, oh, now we get to be best friends. Yes. Well, <laughs> and it'll never be weird. No, because I, I was just starting to come out at that Yeah. Time. It wasn't, it was, yeah. I remember you were like, it was kind of newish. Yeah. And I actually came out on a podcast. Which Yeah, and on that podcast, weren't you <laughs> pretending to be straight for a really long time? Yeah, like, <laughs> I would pretend, like, I would tell the, like, same stories, but instead of, like, guys, it was girls, girls oh which my God. felt weird. But the guys I was doing with it were, one of them was very, very bro. The other one was yeah. very, very dorky. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. But I remember listening to it with my roommate Davion, who's also gay, and we would always have fun. Being like, is this the episode where you slip up? <laughs> yeah, I might um, say a dude. Yeah, I remember no, because I remember once I was I got drunk on the podcast. So that's good podcasting. Yeah, and um, I was telling <laughs> stories about <laughs> my love life, which is really awkward. And I remember a f- good friend of mine who knew I was gay was there. And after the other people left, I was like, did I slip up and say I was gay? <laughs> And he's like, no, you did a good job on, on not doing that. And I'm yeah. like, okay. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad you're, like, out now and you – I feel like – I don't know. I think that's the great thing about us knowing each other for so long is I do think we've kind of found ourselves and grown in, yeah. into ourselves in, like, a that's confident, true. healthy way. And, uh, yeah, we've we've been through a lot. Uh, we we – Improv, puppets, and now yes. animation. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, you've always been an amazing artist. Um, oh, but you. But this past year, you've been, like, learning animation and doing it for our kids' channel, Socratica yeah. Kids, which is, like science videos and we do yes. like we do a lot of astronomy so we we yeah. animate the sun and the moon and planets making the kids learn mm-hmm. teaching them mm-hmm. stuff yeah no i've always loved animation and um it's always been hard to learn because it's such a hard art form yeah but no but i've always 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 have been like i was one of those odd kids that that when I was growing up, I was still watching car- cartoons mm-hmm. and like um, 
other kids like by like nine or ten. I remember we would go to Disneyland and I would want to go to Toontown and like those were babies and I'm like, no, it's cartoons. Yeah, and I always I always got that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's like how everybody is. It's like we have we all. <laughs> I mean, we were shitting on this before. We started podcasting about how people have things and obsess about them. But I think it is true. It's like part of finding yourself is like is realizing the things that you're drawn to. And you yeah. were drawn to cartoons and it wasn't yes. like you being a baby. It was just like now you're an animator. Like that was something that like pulled you in. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people that I talk to who like draw or are into cartoons. It's the same thing. It's like you kind of hold on to that. Like you liked it as a kid and then. You, your tastes start maturing. Yeah. I know it's like you start getting into cartoons that have more of a mature flair to them. Yeah. Whatever's out there. Because in in the United States, a lot of uh, animation still kind of is treated like kid flair. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's anime and like really yeah. like, like Akira is definitely an adult. Yeah. Uh, very serious anime and stuff like that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you were like, forget everybody. I'm just gonna keep on loving cartoons. Mm-hmm. And then when did you start like drawing? Uh well it's funny because I wanted to talk about Who Framed Roger Rabbit because that was the movie that got me into oh, animation. Wow. Okay. Cause uh so when I was a little kid, I, I loved cartoons and stuff, but when I saw Who Framed Roger Rabbit um, I was like, oh, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. um, all of these characters that I love all in one film. And what's funny, too, is like I was like six, six yeah, or seven when okay. it came out. Uh-huh. And it's not really a kid's movie. No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jessica Rabbit proves oh, it's Oh, gosh, not. Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is, it, it's, yeah, I love that movie, but her design is really awkward. <laughs> But, um, no, I remember my mom got me this shirt of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it was like Roger Rabbit behind bars. And I wanted to draw it. And I tried drawing it, but I didn't do a good job. And I was like, Mom, can you draw it for me? And she's like, okay. And she drew it. And she did a really good job. My mom could draw as well. And she showed me. And I was like, oh, wow. Will I ever be as good as you my yeah. mom was like well practice every day uh-huh and and one day you you'll be able to draw like that and i'm like okay and i just got i started drawing everything like yeah i think oliver and company came out around the same time oh, i loved Oliver. yeah and, company. and then little mermaid and i would draw like ariel and flounder and, oh, that's so cool. and i would just draw 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 and also roger rabbit and the weasels and yeah um, I was just a kid in the back of my mom's car, just drawing and drawing and drawing and drawing. And, uh, and I took her advice to heart. So, yeah. You know, and so I, you know, kept drawing, but like, I th- yeah, yeah, I think that's great because I know for me, my experience growing up was seeing people that could draw and just the kind of the thing that I felt like I was getting told from like, like society or the social group circles I was in was drawing was like, it was just an innate talent. Like either you had it or you didn't. Uh So I was always like, Oh, well when I draw, it looks like 
two-dimensional <laughs> children's drawing. Uh, so I guess I'm just not good at this. Um, I'll be good at performing. Yeah. No, well, I actually think that anyone could draw. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I know there's... It's like with any kind of skill. It's like some people put more of an effort into yeah, one thing than the other. Yeah, I think it's putting, yeah. putting the time in. I the think time, it's probably yeah. this... Because uh, I... It's interesting because like musical instruments, I remember always being told you got to practice, practice, practice. But with drawing, I never heard that growing up. It was just like, wow, you're a good drawer. Or, oh, good job. Or, yeah. You know, um, no, it's totally true. Because I remember as a kid, encouragement. Yeah, yeah, having that in positive encouragement is good because, you know, if you start thinking yourself sucks and then someone says that, you might yeah. never do it again. Yeah. And I mean, that's so. that's a big problem, especially for like women in math and science is like growing up girls are constantly told like oh boys are good at this girls aren't so if you're kind of told that then you don't even think to maybe (laughs) prove them wrong or put in an effort no yeah um you know but that's i know with drawing like i love like i love art like you know i have a lot of your art oh i know (laughs) i always draw for people yeah a friend of mine did that for me, and I was like, "Oh, that's such a sweet thing to just draw for someone." So I yeah, started doing it's it. Really special. For I don't know. I always get embarrassed because I'm like, "Oh, I drew something for someone again. I hope they don't think I'm a weirdo for draw." Oh, whatever. No, and then, and then but I mean, but, has yeah. anyone ever been like, "No, no yeah, one's everyone ever loves been. it." I think it's just more of I don't know, just yeah, me being a weirdo. Yeah, just like for going, sure. Oh. I mean, it's but. like, well, I think it's an intimate thing. It's like drawing or creating any sort of art for someone is like very personal. Yeah. So to give it to somebody is like you are giving a part of yourself and yeah. opening yourself up for like that kind of rejection. But yeah. so it can be scary. But then just remember, like, no one has ever been like, how dare you draw this amazing thing for me? I know. Which um, is good. Which yeah. is good. Uh, but yeah, because... Like drawing every day and then just like it's funny because, you know, when you're starting as a kid, it doesn't look good, of course. Yeah, yeah. But I remember getting books and um, I remember specifically with like the fundamentals for like animation and like animation structure. It being, you know, you had circles and you had like pear shaped bodies and everything would have lines through it Mm -hmm. and you would have these like, and and it it would be like, you would have like an image of Mickey mouse, like Mm -hmm. all completely drawn and it looks like Mickey. And the, but then next to it were all the like steps. Steps. Yeah. How the hell? Yeah. Cause there's that joke where it's like, uh, a, a meme where it's like a couple lines and then it's a fully rendered out. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, But I remember not, as a kid being frustrated because trying to draw the circles, I would just start just drawing the image as opposed to doing the steps. Got it. Got it. And then when I started getting older, I started drawing the actual steps and going, oh, okay, structure. Yeah. It's it's like with any kind of 
art form or any kind of skill. It's like math. You have to know. I don't know. Why am I bringing up math? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's certain things in math you need to know before you get to the structure totally. or get to an advanced yeah. version. Even music, you have like... Reading. There's a lot of math and music for yeah, sure. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like just creating chords and... Oh, that um, makes sense. Wave frequencies and why certain that chords sound... Sense. Um, happy or sad or okay. dissonant or scary. Um, it's just like, or jazz chords versus blues chords. It's all like different, like that, that frequency makes, wavelengths. That and, makes yeah, sense. It's very nerdy. Like, and, and that makes me think of art too, like drawing specifically and why it's one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, if you want to do it, you have to put a lot of time and effort into it because I think of like making something look three like three-dimensional or the shading techniques and stuff like that's a whole science and like developing an eye to be able to look at like a face and and know how to like shade it um to like make it pop out and look realistic same with like the classic like putting fruit on a table yeah, and drawing the, doing it. still life yeah and still stuff. life yeah because i was afraid when i was going through like art class in high school of shading mm-hmm. and i remember a teacher giving me a book on shading and it was like this extra step where it's supposed to help your drawings but i was just like it looks difficult <laughs> yeah it does it's like do. intimidating yeah yeah and i remember just you know you start doing it and you have to draw like spheres and balls and give yeah it oh yeah a certain shade and like uh-huh. there's the the shadow underneath and it's it's all different steps getting you towards yeah yeah but i remember doing still life and and um you know, just certain. Th- it's funny. It's like with any kind of skill, you you have drawn so many images because I've like gone through like my parents, uh, like like boxes in my parents' garage, and there's like all these old drawings of mine, and I'm like, oh, that's crappy, <laughs> but it's but cool. it's history. Yeah. It got you to where you are. It's the same with yeah. like any studying anything like. Instrument or improv or oh, whatever. Yeah. It's like the yeah, the beginning is is going to be rough, but you do it because you love it. No, one hundred percent. And it's like I find stuff that yeah, like it's either crappy or stuff that I was like, oh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's yeah. just interesting how um, there's yeah, there, there's different uh, points in your journey where yeah. you're just growing and getting to the next step and stuff. Cause now yeah. I'm doing more digital art yeah. and that's even uh, like, uh, that's an interesting hurdle because the one hurdle with that is learning the programs. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they don't give you a manual. It's like, it's like we develop these things and figure you know, it out, figure it know. out. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, workshops and and stuff of that nature to figure it out but once you do start figuring out like oh i could do this i could oh okay and it's awesome yeah i love it i yeah but but it makes me miss like just traditional art just being able to uh draw and stuff like that but um yeah well i mean there's something really magical about the first time i saw your digital art move yeah like that's very very special Uh, yeah being able to uh (laughs) yeah start seeing uh animation yeah uh, because i was obsessed with animation as a kid like i watched every disney film Mm -hmm. uh and then i started you know watching every kind of 
animated thing that was coming out of Warner Brothers, like Looney Tunes and Animaniacs and Tiny Tunes and just so much stuff. And then like Spike and Mike's animation festival, like a lot of like mm-hmm. more mature cartoon stuff. So like being able to start moving more into animation, it makes me like like uh, just that nerdy fanboy just going, oh, yay. Yeah. 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 It's like, whoa, I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like anytime you level up in, uh, yeah, being an artist and wanting to get like level up to be more like consider yourself a professional or get yeah. paid for it or anything. It's like those moments are are so special because it's like I know for the longest time I was like afraid to call myself an artist or an actor, okay. even though I did it all the time. But I always felt like, oh, as soon as I get my first paycheck, then then I'm that, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, but I only got it that one time and I don't know when the next one's coming. And then it just gets to a point where it's like, no, it's not, you don't need the validation of getting paid or having someone call you it. No. It's like you, you tell yourself like, you know, now I'm like, oh, this is, of course this is who I am. But I remember like for the longest time being like, I think I'm an artist, but I don't know. No one's calling me an artist. Uh, I guess I'm not an artist. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. The weird thing I think in my family was like, I think the weird thing growing up was like most, like I wouldn't, my family isn't artists. Like they're all like, you know, military people. Military people? <laughs> yeah. Well, like my, my grand, my grandfather's and my dad. And then oh, like, okay. you know, or like, they're just like, people weren't like, I didn't have anybody in my family. I was like, I'm, going to perform improv tonight or I'm in a play or I'm, um, you know, gonna, uh, come watch me play the piano or, or things like that. So I don't know. It goes back to that thing with drawing. Wow. I'm like having a breakthrough. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's like, because no one was like, Oh, if you practice every day, you can be a great artist. It was like, you either can draw or you can't. And I'm like, well, I can't draw. So Maybe I'm not an artist. <laughs> and then it's like, look at my family and go, well, no, no one in my family is our artist. So maybe I don't have it in me. No, I know. Isn't that I, it's crazy? An interesting, but, but you do. I feel like even if you're not like an, like uh, you draw or anything, you're still an artist, you know, like doing yeah. improv is an art. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think, yeah, I think finally in college it was just like. I remember having an epiphany of like, well, like of me, like being like, you know what? I'm going to pursue philosophy and I'm not going to act anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Cause I, when I went to acting school, I was like, I don't really like any of these people. (laughs) (laughs) Like everyone seems very self-centered and like, I'm not happy. So maybe this isn't for me, but I, I, I want to try and figure out the meaning of life. So (laughs) I'm going to go into philosophy. Yeah. And then, so I did. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I realized I was on an improv team with you. Yes. So it was I like, know. yeah. Because you, you were I, in New York for a little bit and then you came back. Yeah. yeah. But when I auditioned for that, I remember when I auditioned for that improv team, I was literally in my bedroom writing a philosophy paper and our friend Nick Hanley knocked on my door, who was my roommate at the time and was like, hey, I'm going to audition for an improv team. <laughs> you want to come? And I remember like I was about to be like, no. And then I was, but I was like, as I was about to say no, I like hesitate. Like I stopped myself and then went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I almost didn't yeah, go. I know. I was like, me and a friend uh, went and had like 
breakfast or lunch at the macaroni grill. Ooh, classy. Uh, I'm like thinking back on it now, I'm like, ew, gross. But, uh, and I was like, I don't know if I want to go. I'm sleepy, but it was more of that fear of going. Uh-huh. But I went and, uh, yeah, and I ended up doing improv for a couple of years. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm so glad we both went. And also, like, yeah, and then it was like, I think like getting on the team and then practicing and then still doing philosophy, but then like, like doing improv, it made me realize like, Oh, I, I can't quit this thing. Yeah. I think that was what like was a wake up call for me was like, I'm like, even if I tried to walk away, I'd somehow find my way back to it. So why the fuck not just dive in? And no, that's, that's totally true. Well, it's um, interesting. Like I, cause I was going back to school to, uh, f- uh, for art uh, with drawing and and because I won the I, at that time I wanted to get into a school for animation mm-hmm. and it's funny and then I started doing improv and I started diving into that and it kind of took uh, care of certain things that I didn't really have before like I never really did anything like super sh- social like that oh, okay. and I was like oh I'm meeting people and like <laughs> yeah and having fun and doing comedy but. I didn't really like acting. Like, I liked performing, but mm-hmm. I didn't like a lot, of, like you said, like the personalities you Right, made. yeah. Because I wanted to get into acting to do voiceover. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Animation and, again. Yeah, there it animation. is. It's always in the, it's always in your shadows. Yes, I've always like, yeah. Um, I've always, yeah. Because I, because I, I was a kid who like, who my idols were like animators and i remember i went all the way over to i think it was in laguna beach to Mm -hmm. see uh chuck jones and i got to meet chuck jones Mm -hmm. and it's like this old man who does animation and i'm like this 17 year old kid and like at the time i guess people like i don't know backstreet boys i don't know (laughs) uh but um, I don't know because I, I I like looking back and realizing how much I was into some into that. Like, yeah, I it's something I feel like when you're really into something <clears throat> uh, or like an art form and it's something that you want to do, it doesn't really go away. You always kind of go back to it. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Yeah. Because I know definitely as a kid. Yeah, it was like everybody was in the Backstreet Boys, and I I was like, I like Simon and Garfunkel and comedy. Yes, Paul Simon, Saturday Night Live. That's all like tied in together, and um, something about like old school nerds was really cool to me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I remember when I met Chuck Jones, and I was telling my friends, and they're like, "Who's that?" <laughs> and because uh, Chuck Jones, he I guess for those who don't know, he. Uh, did a lot of like the old Looney Tunes cartoons specifically mm-hmm. like What's Opera Doc uh, it's the one where Elmer Fudd's singing kill the wabbit kill the wabbit oh yeah yeah and then uh, Bugs Bunny's in drag and he, he's on like this really fat horse and then goes down a staircase and they have a duet together and it's <laughs> adorable perfect um uh he did a lot of the like uh, rabbit season, duck season, rabbit season, duck season, mm-hmm. fire. But uh, so I got to meet him, and I remember being like the seventeen-year-old kid, and I met him, and I and he and he was this older man, and he looked almost like 
Dr. Hammond from uh, Jurassic Park. And he's just sitting there <laughs> yeah. uh, with like white khakis and uh, like like a straw hat. And he, and and I got to meet him. And and he's like, who are, who are you? And I'm like, uh, I'm 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 Michael. I, I like to draw cartoons. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to be an animator. Uh, and he was like. But that's not who you are. Oh, <laughs> he was. It was. What just, is this Jedi? I know. And I'm like <laughs> Jedi animator. He's like the the Michelangelo doesn't walk into the the Sistine Chapel and say I am an artist. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's such a profound thing to say to like a seventeen year old brain. I know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like this awkward kid. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm just now not like learning to not be defined by like like labels like that. Yes. To be like, this is who I am. I need these labels. I need to be validated by yeah. it. It's like, no, I just am. I just um, am. And yeah. uh, let me just be, be. And then so. he would have been like, Good my good, good, good <laughs> But I remember even like uh, I forgot I think I said something like, oh, how do you do what you do? <laughs> right, because you were probably starstruck. He probably Yeah. Uh, I and- love I love that you were like yeah, again, like people are like, who's that? And you were like, everything. Yeah. And he said, well, I have students ask me all the time, like, how do you draw a foot? Mm-hmm. And I say, you you, you take off your shoe. Oh, my God. This put it on guy. the table and you draw your foot. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And, and I, it's funny, as a kid, I, 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 I kind of knew what he was talking about. But, but I was also, also like, starstruck. Yeah. Don't be your heroes. This guy sounds yeah. crazy. <laughs> In a way, I guess. Well, also, it was like an art gallery where they're like selling his artwork. Oh, okay. So in a way, like I we because me and my dad went one day into the gallery and we got put on like the the list. And I'm mm. sure a lot of it too was that the the people that work at the gallery were like yeah go meet him like right. making it an experience and maybe yeah. we'll buy art. Art, I yeah, yeah. You know, cartoons need to make a living, too. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's like really art, like selling art and art and like having art galleries and everything like that's a whole that's thing. And like, I don't know, like I can't imagine creating artwork and being like, now I have to put a price tag on it. You know? Yeah. It seems hard to do. And it also yeah. does feel like it kind of feels like like Broadway musicals versus like yeah paying five dollars to see an improv show is like yeah broadway you you pay hundreds of dollars and it and it becomes like you you start curating your art and make creating for like a very specific demographic that has like the disposable income to be like i want to buy this thing so i can put it in my house and people will admire it it's a um, status you know i'm going to yeah. broadway and that's like i'm i'm that's that definitely is not who I am. So no, it's just like it. I imagine a lot of artists that can be a very difficult thing to be like, I need to make a living, but now I have to make work for a specific demographic. Yeah. Like, or just choose to be like, you know what? This is, I'm going to do art my way and 
not worry about getting paid for it or whatever. Yeah, basically, you're working for a demographic or doing art for a demographic mm. that is just using that artwork as a status symbol. Yeah. It was kind of like, Yuck. ooh, yucky. Yeah. But at least with um, animation, you have the potential to get a job working on maybe a show you really like. Yeah. And, uh, and that you'll get paid for that. And yeah, maybe that there's so much yeah. animation out there. Like, yeah. 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 There's so many, uh, not like even just like big studios, there's little studios. Mm. And what's interesting too, is a lot of studios, they don't, this is so weird, like discovering this. And this is something I discovered years ago. A lot of places out here, they don't do animation in house. They do mainly like storyboarding, and there's some places and they they'll send do, it to yeah. They place? send it to Korea. Oh, yeah, nuts! It's all outsourcing. Aye, it's, aye. it's nuts too because a lot of places are trying to go digital now. Mm-hmm. So they're trying like there's programs out there like Toon Boom, of which I just did a workshop for, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how. A lot of these places in like Korea and China and and places where they outsource, they they still want to do uh, a paper animation oh. because of just uh, how crazy it is to uh, do everything just digital. Because what they want to do is just you know they do everything in house here, like the storyboarding, and send that over digitally. And they do everything in the computer. And and then they send it back and they just have to tweak things here and there within the computer. But they were showing us, like, it's insane. Just boxes and boxes of thousands of drawings. Yeah. Like they showed us a oh picture my God. of one room where it was just so unorganized. Where I... it was stacks and stacks of manila folders filled with drawings. Where it's like, yeah, that's the whole second or third season of Futurama Whoa. right there. And then they would have someone sitting on a scanner taking every drawing and just scanning, scanning it. That? Scanning it. it so it scanning could go it. into the computer? It could go into the computer and then, and then they would color because they started wow. doing a lot of digital coloring that's something they started doing i think not with little mermaid but like beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. disney i forget what it's called but it's it has some it starts with a c i think but they started doing like digital um uh ink and painting because it used to be they do the animation they they do roughs and then you'd have a cleanup artist who would then clean up those roughs and they they would send it to the ink and paint club which back in like the 30s and 40s it was the only job that women could get yeah. in the animation I know industry my growing up my friend's aunt was did that okay. she did all the that for bambi oh yeah and then i remember my friend saying like yeah she's an amazing artist but they'll never let her draw yeah and the only there was like only maybe a one or two yeah. women who were actually in the the animation wow. division. it's just yeah. nuts because they would trace and and uh ink uh the and paint the the cells the that mm-hmm. uh, it was this like see-through plastic where they would do uh, draw and paint all of the images of the characters onto and then you would have like the background and then you would take both of them and sandwich them and then take a picture of each of them and it was like 24 frames per second so like yeah. most scenes where it was animation it was like 24 drawings for every second of animation and yeah. that's just like 
it gets to like a movie being millions and millions of drawings. That's insane. And just to know uh, that they were still doing that, even though they like they were outsourcing, they were still sending like boxes and boxes, like wow. not too long ago yeah. to these places in Korea. And they were saying that um, one of the places caught on fire and it was King of the Hill. And they lost, like, all of some of the episodes that they had already done, but all of the drawings and stuff from... Are are gone. Are gone. Wow. Fire. That's crazy. And it is also crazy to think that, yeah, I remember Beauty and the Beast being revolutionary for, like, starting to do digital art. Um, And so that was back in... Probably like 95, 96. No, that was uh, 94. 91. Oh, 91. Uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast Sometime came out in the in 90s. 91. Okay. And um, Little Mermaid Here. was 89. And then uh, Aladdin the was 92. 93. 93. I, I need to make like a list. Because I remember Aladdin was the first movie I ever saw in the movie theaters. Wait, you know what? It was it was ninety two, ninety three. It came out in the Christmas time of ninety two. Nineteen ninety one. Aladdin came out. No, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast came out in ninety one, and then Aladdin came out in ninety two of like November, and then Lion King came out ninety four. Um. Yeah, Aladdin was 92. November November 25th, 1992. That was the first movie I ever saw in the movie theaters. Aladdin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a treat, right? <laughs> um, That's fun. Yeah, and then Lion King was June 24th, 1994. Interesting. In my mind, I always thought it was 95. But... Uh, a lot of people do. Uh, what is 95 is a goofy movie. Yeah. A Goofy oh, movie yeah. came out. That's one of my favorite uh, of all the Disney movies. The I Goofy love movie's a movie. really good. I We had it. Uh, well, my grandma, uh, bless her heart, um, <laughs> she would always buy like the Disney movies Aww, for us. So That's cute. Yeah, so we had Goofy movie, and we'd watch that one a lot. Toy Story, November 22nd, 1995. That was a big game changer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Toy Story is insane how that... Yeah, that was something about. like even as a as little baby Cassie watched it, um, was like, this is gonna change everything. Yeah, and it ah because reading about like how Pixar started was it was a software company basically. Nerds. I know it was a <laughs> software company where because um, John Lassender uh, before he uh, started working with Pixar. Him and a bunch of people started were, uh, were in a class together at uh, Cal Arts, and that was like Brad Bird, um, Ron Clemens, and then I forget the other guy, but Ron Clemens and I forget his other directing partner. They were the ones who directed uh, Little Mermaid uh-huh. and Aladdin, uh-huh. and uh, but they all and, and Tim Burton as well. They all went Whoa. were in this class at Cal Arts, and a lot of them went to uh, Disney. And John Lassender was trying. Uh, he had been there for a while, and a lot of them worked on like uh, the Fox and the Hound, and. Uh, John Lasseter was trying to do a pitch to direct um, The Brave Little Toaster. And he wanted to do it 
digitally. Like he wanted to do it with oh. early computer animation because they were doing a test at the time where they had Disney had acquired the rights to where the wild things are. And oh. they were going to do the they were start it's actually on YouTube this test. And they were Whoa. doing a test to eventually do a full movie. And the test is that you would have uh traditionally animated characters and then you would put those traditionally animated characters in a CGI digitally animated backdrop. So all the backgrounds and all the uh, um, props would be digital. And he was trying that test. He did that test. And then he was trying to do a pitch for the Brave Little Toaster. It didn't go well. He was fired from Disney. He it, it went the Brave Little Toaster went to someone else, but he was fired, let go, and he went to this um, like months and months after he went to this uh, retreat, Mary spiritual retreat, retreat, spiritual retreat. <laughs> like this. It, it was kind of like a retreat or a talk about like computer animation at the Queen Mary. Oh wow! And uh, met a couple people, and he started going to Pixar, and then Pixar, I think. They were owned by George Lucas. I don't know when George Lucas acquired them, but George Lucas. Uh, well, he maybe that kind of makes sense because he always had this like, I need digital. Oh for, yeah, I need digital for my movies. Yeah, because uh, was it George Lucas Industrial Sound and Music? I forget. It was, uh, wait, George Lucas Light? I don't know. I'm not that mm. nerdy when it comes <laughs> to that. I know he it, Light and Magic. Uh, Lucas George Lucas Light and Magic. I think that's the name of his production company. Mm-hmm. There's nerds out there going, "How dare you!" Uh, but um, he had Pixar, but they weren't like generating any kind of revenue. And so they started doing a bunch of tests and shorts. And one of the shorts they did is what uh, the everyone knows, the, the Lexo mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. That was one of their original shorts. That's why the Lexo lamp. Oh, the lamp at the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, at oh, the beginning. So he's yeah. like, he's OG. Yeah. Aww. It was like, like, like there's a little Luxo lamp bouncing on a ball. And the yeah. adult Luxo lamp is like, nah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's they did little shorts and then they started doing commercials and um, but they were going under and Steve Jobs bought them. Wow. So Steve Jobs owned them and uh, they wanted to start building up more of a of an animation, um, I guess, footing within the industry. And they were doing commercials, but they started getting people. Uh, from like Cal Arts, and I forget their names, but the guy who directed, uh, oh, Andrew Stanton, who did um, the, the, what do you call it? Finding Nemo. Yeah. And okay. then uh, the guy who did Monsters Inc., I can't remember his name. Monsters uh, Inc. He, the director who directed oh, Monsters okay. Inc. But they, he got them out of basically out of college. At Cal Arts, like a lot of other people, Pete Doctor. Yes, Pete Doctor. A lot of them were. A lot of their friends were just going to like Disney or doing internships, right? Like yeah, that. you're just and like, oh, if that big company will scoop me up, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And then they were going to this like little hole in the wall, nothing company, and everyone was like, "Good luck with that." Yeah. Ah. And uh, yeah, but they were trying to get um, to do a feature. And they were starting to do uh, 
Toy Story. And it's interesting, like, Toy Story uh, was not good. Supposedly, like, the original cut of it, um, Woody was, like, an asshole. Like, a real, oh, like... like too he mean. Was, yeah, it was too mean. He was, like, yeah. very unlikable. Isn't that funny when you hear about, like... <laughs> characters like how they start off and like people are like oh like they're too mean or we gotta like uh, down. Yeah, yeah 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 supposedly he was just a real asshole and it was like a negative uh feeling of the, like the film had like a negative feeling because of that and they kept having to rewrite it and they did and uh but yeah but it it's interesting to me how like the road it got to um to doing Toy Story because it was always kind of there was Disney was kind of there Mm -hmm. somehow. It just makes sense that Disney was the ones to distribute it. And there was a whole crazy thing where they were making the film, Pixar was making the film and Disney was distributing, but they were going to break at one point. I think it was like 2000 and uh, like 2010. Mm-hmm. Oh no! It was like two thousand and four, two thousand and five, uh, and it was at the time they, that Roy Disney, the uh, Roy Disney Junior, who is uh, the son of Roy uh, Senior, Roy Disney Senior, who is Walt's brother, he did this whole thing called SaveDisney.com. dot com, and it was to get Michael Eisner out because Michael Eisner had been there for a good. Uh, almost a decade and a half or a couple decades. Yeah. Uh, And they didn't want to do a merge with Pixar. He, he, he was just going to let them go, keep everything they did and start doing these horrible direct to DVD sequels. They actually started opening, like opening up a studio just to do crappy, like toy story. And, um, like just Finding all the Nemo sequels, sequels. And everything. Yeah. Cause one of the sequels that they were going to do before Toy Story 3 became the Toy Story 3 we know is that it was going to be a sequel where uh, Buzz gets recalled back to Taiwan. Awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but eventually they did emerge, uh, 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 Michael Eisner is out, and then Bob Iger, who is now the head of Got it. Disney and stuff, and now they went own back their to characters quality. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they still do sequels. Like, oh yeah, there's kind of the, shitty the sequels deal. that come out all the time. It drives me insane in the membrane. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just a reminder that that's that's business for you. But sometimes I guess the flip side is like you get that money from those shitty films, so then you can make like things like Coco and like oh, Coco you know, and so like good. great movies come out, and you're like, that's this is like what I love, you know? Yeah, I just saw an image of a short they're doing, and it's this like little old Asian lady who mm-hmm. didn't have a child, but she makes this like little like um, or they like a dumpling baby. <laughs> 
Ah, <laughs> little dumpling baby. She's like uh, a Geppetto, but for a, a, a culinary uh, <laughs> Geppetto. Yes, and it's like the cutest thing. Aww. The little dumpling baby is just so, it's like round and cute. Aww. That's the thing in animation. Whenever it's like round things are cute. Yeah, I remember you, talk, <laughs> you were like years ago, you were talking about animation and how like, yeah, like yeah. what makes cute art versus like, yeah, like scary or yeah. Cause weird, if you go, jarring. You, yeah. Yeah, but cute is always like very round. Very round. Big, big eyes. Big eyes. Well, it's interesting like with anime, like everyone knows anime for big eyes. And the reason why a lot of the anime characters look that way is because they were copying what they were getting from the West, which was like, like Snow Disney, White Bambi. and Disney. And, yeah, and very Bambi. big eyes. Yeah, very big eyes. And so that's why a lot of those characters look that way because they were copying what they were seeing with yeah. Disney from when they yeah. were kids. Yeah. Wow. And it's interesting. I forget the guy who created like Astro Boy, but Astro Boy was inspired by Pinocchio. And he was uh-huh. like this this robot kid who's, yeah. you know, basically, well, that's interesting too, because he, the guy who created Astro Boy also created something called, this is really getting nerdy, Kimba the White Lion. Okay. And when you start reading about it, you're like, oh, Disney ripped that guy off. And it's, it's basically Lion King. Kimba, Simba. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And the reasoning behind it is supposedly like Simba is like a word that means like young lion. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, um, I forget the guy who created Kimba the White Lion or Astro Boy, but Simba just means lions. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, he, they, but see in Japan, they're not like how it is in the West where they'll just sue. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. And they just let them because they treated it like it was an honor as opposed to suing. Because mm-hmm. out here, Disney, if anything like that happened with their property, oh, yeah. they'll sue like crazy. But yeah, Kim of the White Lion and everyone, they even make fun of it on uh, The Simpsons uh-huh. where uh, uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy dies and Lisa goes out into the field and like Bleeding Gums Murphy comes back almost like Mufasa. Yeah. And there's like an animated Mufasa that comes up and says, Kimba, I mean Simba. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's a Tokyo, TV Tokyo. And uh, it came out in 1965, Kimba the White Lion TV. Yeah. And it's crazy because. But that's happened a few times where like movies have come out and everyone's like, oh, they're stealing the plot of this Japanese film well, yeah. or this the, that foreign or, film. Um, what's interesting too, like, is Aladdin, because uh, Richard Williams, who directed um, the animation for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, he had this passion project he'd been doing for decades Mm -hmm. and uh it was called the thief and the cobbler and it was this film that was kind of based on like the arabian Nights story okay and um he did the animation direction for roger rabbit in with a contract in his contract that disney will help distribute the thief and the cobbler so they saw the thief in the cobbler and everyone knew about the thief in the cobbler. And if you watch the thief in the cobbler, which they never released it, they mm. went against their word and they actually gave it to Miramax and they 
chop the hell out of this movie. And a lot of the characters were um, um, mute. Like the thief and the cobbler, the main characters are mute. Like they never talk. And it's very funny and really beautiful animation. It's it's pretty much like an, uh, an, uh, an animator's movie like Mm -hmm. it's a movie that i feel like only animators would truly like Mm -hmm. um but they started like matthew broderick they put all these like voiceover work on these characters that don't speak it's really bad yeah but basically they ripped off a lot of it for aladdin when you Mm -hmm. look at um thief and the cobbler and you look at aladdin the design aesthetic is so similar wow and uh the the villain uh is very similar he also has a parrot and uh, yeah there's like a lot of similarities and he even knew what they were doing yeah um but it's it's yeah it's just how the industry is yeah but i mean (laughs) but that's like what because I think a lot of people, you know, as you get older, you hear things like, oh, Disney's really evil. And, yeah. You know, and then you start to like, yeah, if you do a little digging, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do some shady things. They backstab or they. Yeah. Yeah. They they take advantage of artists. One of, of dreamers. Of dreamers. Yeah. One of the shadiest things they ever did. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people know about this maybe not was that when michael eisner frank wells and jeff katzenberg were brought into the animation uh brought into the walt disney company in 84 because uh disney by 82 83 ron miller who was um he was like this football player who was walt disney's son-in-law he was in charge of the company and the place almost got sold off and all the assets were almost separated and just yeah Yeah. you know like they almost suffered a buyout but michael eisner and uh frank wells they started to get in charge of the company and they wanted to fully like get rid of the animation Division. They almost like mm. the animation that we know, uh, the, you know, Little Mermaid almost didn't happen. And it started having this very corporate world yeah. uh, um, aesthetic to it. It just, and what was crazy was that they were doing shitty things where there's, there was a, like a, a, a preschool or a daycare out in Florida that had murals of the Disney characters uh-huh. and Disney lawyers came and Ew. said, you can't have these characters Ew. on here because they're copyrighted. Oh my so they had to paint over them. But Universal and Hanna-Barbera was like, you could have the Flintstones. Uh, but it's just crazy. They're yeah. like, like, honestly, like I have heard that if they could go to any person that has a tattoo of a Disney character on them and just ripped it off their skin, they would. Why? Why do they want to they do that? They hate that. They yeah. hate, they hate they not just being to, able to get money. They want control over everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I also know that like, if you work for Disney, like even work at Disneyland, you sign a contract saying that if you create any art, it's owned by them. Yeah. 
so like yeah like my friend chad like is a musician and it's like oh they own his music technically like if and they have the lawyers and stuff to do it if they wanted to yeah well there are certain that's like crazy to me where that uh happened because tim burton is like the biggest example because he worked there when they did the fox and the hound Mm -hmm. and um the Black Cauldron. And he was considered a weirdo at that time. They yeah. didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. None of the, like, nine old men, which was, like, the, the nine old men is this covenant of, of old, old animated geezers who mm-hmm. basically were Walt's favorite animators. Basically, they were not the ones who tried to unionize <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> during the, the yeah. 40s and 50s, uh, which is kind of funny. But anyways, um, yeah, so Tim Burton had to go back to get Nightmare Before Christmas, and that's why Disney produced it. And then they distributed it under uh, Touchstone, which is what they dis- uh, distributed on um, Roger Rabbit under, because mm-hmm. they didn't want to be considered Disney because it was dark and not like Snow White. Got it. Yeah. But, yeah. But he had to <laughs> because he wrote the original poem for Nightmare Before Christmas um, at Disney. So he couldn't do it on I, his own. They had yeah. to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also I always do find it interesting when you like people are like, oh, yeah, you know that production company it's owned by disney or you know this thing it's owned by disney and you think like and it's just they don't put the disney stamp on it because it's not that like yeah brand that they everybody knows so well oh yeah because um, but uh, they're still finding ways to oh they're still fox the whole yeah. fox deal i guess isn't complete yet yeah but yeah they it's funny they did pretty woman Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know this, but Disney did Pretty Women, uh, uh, Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts. Pretty yeah, it's uh, Little Woman. It's where and, she clones herself. Yeah, uh, and uh, they did Pulp Fiction with Miramax. What? Not people That's know that. Crazy, yeah, they bought and like, now Marvel and yeah, 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 uh, Marvel and all that stuff. But yeah, because they were trying to figure out a way to create money revenue outside of the uh, failing animation. Uh, yeah. studio because they weren't making money there because the last movie they had did uh, was The Black Cauldron which is a really dark Disney movie it's not yeah. that good uh-huh. it's kind of bad uh, uh, but um, they didn't know what to do so they started coming out with live action films and one of them was Pretty Woman and um, Down Out in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. which is uh, Richard Dreyfus and Bette Midler and uh, oh, I forget his name. He's Nick Nolte. Oh, okay. Um, and they did like a slew of these like kind of crappy comedies and a lot of the stars they would get had just came out of rehab so they couldn't get like a, a high price. So they were like saying, well, they would talk to their agent and be like, well, we're not going to give them that price because they just got out of rehab. Oh, my God. Play, like, yeah, because Michael Eisner and Jeff Katzmerg uh, came from Paramount. And um, Frank Wells was in charge of the film division at uh, Warner Brothers. But they would do shady shit like that. Man, man, oh, man. It's just like a whole different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood is bizarre to me. That was the the how they got like um, Robin Williams to do uh, 
the Vietnam movie. The, oh, um, yeah. Good morning. Good morning, Vietnam. Vietnam. They were like, he just got out of rehab. He could only get this amount. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. Well, the thing with him doing the genie. Yeah, isn't there, like, drama behind that, yes. too? Ooh, let's talk about that. Okay. So, <laughs> drama. He did it, he, he, so Disney is classically known for not sharing money. They don't want to share money. They just want it all for themselves. <laughs> they, all, they want it all for themselves. And the thing about the animation division and why Jeffrey Katzenberg, who eventually left and did uh, DreamWorks animation, Shrek, and all that stuff, the reason why he loved the animation division, this sounds really shitty, but was because artists weren't like actors and and producers and, and they don't want to cut the money because they don't know that they probably could if they fought oh. enough because a lot of actors they want a, a cut of the profits yeah and, it's like you, you get to a level where you're like i know how to like my yeah. agent and everything we can no- negotiate where art like animators are probably like Yay, I get to draw. Yeah, exactly. Aww. So And this person's like, moi. Ah, yeah. Ah, so ah. they would work them nonstop yeah. and and it, it it was just crazy. It was to me it felt like you know the slaves building the 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 pyramids mm-hmm. in a way. It's like yeah. Uh but they didn't really use a lot of well-known actors for animation specifically. And right, because voiceover yeah. actors, yeah, it's they not. pretty much would get scale, yeah, and that's what happened with Robin Williams was that he agreed to do it, even though he would only get paid scale. I think it was like five hundred dollars a day or something like that, which that's, is that's like nuts. nothing, but it's also like that would be great for me. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, seriously, but in agreement. That they don't advertise the genie at all. Right. That I think it's like you. they could only use 1% of the character and him in advertisement. No merchandise for the character because merchandise means that Disney would only get the profits and that Robin Williams wouldn't. Because Robin right. Williams at the time, he was, a he was very yeah. well-known. He was very established. Yeah. 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 And loved him. Yeah. Well, they went against that, and the genie was, like, completely advertised all over the place, and um, they made so much money from that movie that Uh no one who contributed to the acting aspect of it. I mean, yeah, Robin Williams was a big factor of it. Like, I feel like that was the biggest selling point of that movie. Yeah, I remember people talking about... Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I feel like even as as baby Cassie knew who Robin Williams was, and knowing, like, yeah, he's the voice of the genie and yeah. then mrs doubtfire but that's another story. yeah but he had a falling out with them yeah and what's nuts too is that they have so much uh record they like have so many recordings of him that they didn't use that they could make a whole new aladdin movie today Wow. With all of that. And there's even like if he there's something that says that they can't touch it within 30 years, like oh, wow. in his will. Yeah. Uh, I have to look it up. He went to his grave <laughs> hating them. Yeah. But they yeah. they. uh Yeah. So he didn't he, he lucked out on a bunch of money and they treated him kind of unfairly, but they try to make it up to him. By giving him a Picasso and putting it into his hotel room. 
Ew. Yeah. It was it <laughs> going was back to the status weird. symbol or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so when they did, because then they at that point where they're like, oh, we want to do Aladdin too. Let's try yeah. and get him back. And he did not be right. Didn't they get Dan Castanet? <laughs> Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Dan Castellaneta did the. It was Return Jaf- to Jaf- uh, Return of Jafar, uh-huh. and it was like basically the pilot that became the Aladdin series. Yeah, and uh, but then they got Robin Williams back to do the third one because mm. they made a, a deal. They probably big money threw deal. lots, 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 yeah. lots of money at him. Yeah. But it's just kind of, well, it's interesting Stress. too. I just found this out that Jack Nicholson was almost Hades for Hercules. Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason why he didn't mm-hmm. uh, was because the uh, 1989 Batman movie yeah. got Jack Nicholson to be the Joker as long as he got a huge cut of the profits. Right. So he 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 made money off of and like all the Batman movies that still come out. Yeah. He still makes money. And that's why you find him uh, at every Lakers game yes. on the court. <laughs> He's using that Joker money. Yeah. <laughs> but he he had this Joker deal. He mm. he had he had done, and so. Uh, Ron Clemens and the other guy, I don't remember. John Musker? John Musker. They invited him over uh, to look at these storyboards and uh, designs of the character. Probably poured him a glass of the finest scotch. Yeah. And, he brought, <laughs> he had, uh, and he brought, Jack Nicholson brought his daughter and dressed her up like he's a princess. And, and so they thought he was gun ho he was going to do it. And he was like, I like this. This looks awesome. I like yeah. this. This is great. My daughter likes it. <laughs> it's me, Jack Nicholson. I like your Jack. <laughs> it just like has a lot of estrogen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After I did The Shining, <laughs> being frozen <laughs> made my the the pitch of my voice go higher. <laughs> but that's okay because I'm always watching Lakers games, baby. <laughs> Anyways, what were you saying about me playing Hades? Well, he wanted his Joker deal. He was like, I I want my Joker deal. And they're like, Joker deal? (laughs) What do you mean Joker deal? I get profits of all (laughs) Disney movies for the rest of time. And and, uh, yeah, he was like, I want a cut of the profits. And they're like, do you know this is a Disney company? We don't share yeah, no, we don't like won't. to share. They don't they don't share. And so he didn't get to do Hades. That's also very ironic that I feel as a child, the first thing you learn at school is like always share, always share. <laughs> and then Disney, which is like the pinnacle of kids of your childhood, is like we don't share. <laughs> they are bizarre because the parks are pretty much their piggy bank. When movies fail, they take from the parks. <laughs> That's why yeah. a lot of times certain projects that they were going to do in the parks got cut mm. because they would take yeah. from the parks when something would fail. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's why I don't want to go to Disney anymore. Like with Star yeah. Wars Land and all of that, I'm just like, no, thank you. Yeah. Whenever I go, I go for free Disney. <laughs> I haven't I haven't paid a penny ever for a Disneyland ticket. I've never bought a Disneyland ticket. Remember that, you fools. <laughs> Dizzy. Um, yeah, but luckily there's so many other animation like studios now. That's and, true. And well, everything. because in the 90s, Disney had like a monopoly 
Um, gross. Yeah, gross. Well, what's so funny, too, is they even try because Warner Brothers with their animation unit, there was this, what was that movie called? There was this movie where there was like a two-headed dragon, mm-hmm. and it was called like something medieval. I don't remember if anyone remembers this. Okay. But it was like there was a blind guy who had like a, a staff. and then Wait, was it go- the one where it was Com- like- Something the Camelot. Quest to Camelot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking of a different one, but okay. Oh, okay. Quest to Camelot. It was called Quest to Camelot. And- I was thinking of the Page Master. Oh, the Page Master is awesome. That one's cool. I like the Page Master. With Macaulay Culkin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, so when they did tests for Quest the Camelot, it got really bad testing. And they did another te- uh, uh, screen test, but they like got like the opening of like Disney and they put it in front of the movie to see if it would test differently. If people thought it was a Disney movie, oh, shit. everyone loved it when Yay! they thought it was. Thought it was People Disney. are so dumb. <laughs> and Quest for Camelot is pretty bad. But what's sad is, is that because Quest just, for Camelot bombed, they were making the Iron Giant at the same time. Oh yeah, okay. and and Iron Giant is an amazing movie. Yeah. Brad Bird directed it. Who but didn't came it, to do the Incredibles? It didn't come out for a long time, right? Well, no, it came out. the The thing was is is that it is Warner Brothers was shutting their animation unit. And so they didn't um, put any money to advertise it. So it just kind of just showed up into theaters and people didn't really know what it was. They didn't market the film. And Brad Bird had to go to an outside company to even make a poster. They weren't going to even do any promotional in-house anything. That's so sad that I hear that happening a lot. Like uh, now that I have friends that get to go work on TV shows or whatever. And so many times they're like, the network's not advertising it. So yeah. now we're just, it's just going to die. That's insane to me. Yeah. It's, it's its also insane to remember like how important marketing is. Like people just need to know about the thing. Oh yeah. Marketing um, is 100% yeah. the chance your film or TV it's show. It's very will, rare that word of mouth like yeah. will get something like it's. Yeah. Cause like with, with Nightmare Before Christmas, it kind of bombed at the box office, but mm-hmm. because of word of mouth, yeah, it started having a little bit of success. And then Disney was like, "Okay, it's a part of the Disney family." Yeah, and now they're making money off of it. Freaking Haunted Mansion and yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas everywhere. Yeah, gross. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, but it is very interesting because Nightmare Before Christmas is. Like is like gothic Disney. It is. Yeah, yeah. It's like definitely not the style of Disney. So it makes sense that they would be like, I don't know. But then when they're like, oh, it it making money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Um, boy. Whenever anything makes money, there. Well, it's crazy to me how Disney works. If it's not in the billion dollar range right. like if also, it didn't make, yeah. it's not a success and yeah. it, if it only made you know 8 800 million uh, i guess we won't make it a ride at disneyland it's like that's yeah. so stupid cuz right now with um wrinkle in time bombing oh, yeah. they basically cannibalized themselves because uh black panther came out think two weeks before wrinkle in time yeah and it it, i I don't know if it's number one anymore but But it's like yeah it's one of the highest grossing of all time yeah but it basically ate away whatever audience that would have went to wrinkle in time wrinkle in time wasn't that good 
Well, Anyways, I think too, but... like, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. I do. I want to see it because I read the book as a kid. Yeah. But I mean, talking to a lot of people about it, not a lot of people read the book growing up. I didn't read the book. Yeah. So I like I was surprised when I found out they were making it. And then I was like, oh, maybe that means like everybody in like fourth and fifth grade read the series. Um, and then people were like, no. And then but yeah, so they like stacked the cast um, but yeah, I don't know. Oprah is weird too. Cause like Oprah is like this goddess and like amazing yeah. woman, like has a cruise to Alaska and everything, <laughs> but her demographic isn't like, like with, when she does movies, like it's, she has to do like a very specific type of movie that people are like, yes, I want to go see this strong that woman, makes sense. you yeah. know, but when it's like, Oh, Oprah's being cool, being a, like a, like a witch, uh, like a <laughs> magic witch. Yeah, I'll see it when it comes out to DVD or something. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think people are like grabbing their children being like, watch Oprah grace the stage, you know? Exactly. Because it's not, I mean, I didn't like it, but I don't think it's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those films that if you're a kid and you saw it being a kid, that when you get older, you'll have like a nostalgic feel to it. Kind yeah. of like how Hook is. Okay, yeah. Because Hook, when it came out... Oh, I loved Hook. It's, I love Hook, but, but it's considered not a good movie. Oh, um, But it's it, that's why a lot of people are thinking this might be this generation's Hook. But that's weird because I don't feel like this generation's reading Wrinkle in Time. No. They're probably there's probably a series they're all falling in love with right now that like later they'll turn into that makes a movie sense. or something. But the movie, I mean, is really big on I like think being just, yourself and being positive. Yeah. Which I could see kids and liking. There's this, and there, I think there there is I know there is like a series to the Wrinkle in Time. So maybe they're kind of hoping like, oh, maybe this will like be like Harry Potter. Oh, like, there's like a series of books? Mm-hmm. They're kind of religious, too. I do. Well, Narnia is religious, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it has Um, a cute lion. (laughs) I know, but the lion's cute. You know, Jesus Christ, he cute. That Jesus, though, he cute. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, but I I haven't gotten around to seeing it, but I should, because I have a movie pass. Yeah. There's another movie I'm like, I haven't seen yet, and I need to see it. There's a few. I'll get around to it. Sometimes you get busy. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about animation? Oh no, I'm kind of a nerd. Like I'll just I know I know I feel like I'll just have you back and be like animation part two. I know. Uh, well, I know like a lot about Disney and a lot about yeah. stuff because I just I don't know. It's like when I'm bored, I start reading trivia. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's like that's how I am with like mysteries and stuff. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, show me all the evidence and I'll go down this rabbit hole. Seriously, um, but it goes back to. <laughs> being drawn to things uh i guess i'm drawn to murder mysteries <laughs> no but like uh, like comedy and like yeah. like i remember when snl came out with that huge book i was probably like one of the first people oh to buy yeah it i read, read that it. Like, yeah. it's like a thousand pages it's a thousand pages and ooh, it is good yeah chevy chase is an asshole <laughs> oh there's a lot of people that you're like oh well fuck that guy yeah um but yeah it's like you want to like I know too when I was really obsessed with Saturday Night Live as a fourteen year old, I needed to know like every minute like what they were doing to put into that show like, oh, yeah. to make it possible, you know. Um, and that's just like part of being a fan of something, and then all, and then pursuing it, and then like oh yeah, like yeah, you just you find something that speaks to you, and you nerd out over it, and then become it, or you can just be like a normal person that's like. 
I'm just going to make my money and then go on vacations on weekends and stuff, <laughs> which is a, a life to live too. So, um, but yeah, a peek inside artist world is yeah. just a bunch of fucking nerds. Nerds who love nerdy yeah. things. Yeah. Well, it's it's like a level to where it's like you, it's like some people enjoy certain things and there's some people who really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there, but, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing too. I think that's fun is like. The more I pursue like comedy and stuff and meeting people that are like, oh, they're just people that really love it and have no yeah. like don't want to pursue it. But like those people are important, too. And yeah. Yeah. Because the biggest thing like with me that makes me why I'm so obsessed with Disney is I just think it's funny. Like this huge corporation is in charge of a family. Yeah. Collomerate. It's yeah. just it's like they make really dark. Yeah. <laughs> they make like dark, stupid business decisions and they're trying to like please kids. Yeah. <laughs> Happiest place on earth. <laughs> na 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 na. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming thank on. You for having me. E. About time. I know. Bye, friend. Bye. And that's our episode. Thank you, Bomb, so much for coming on. You're the best. Everybody, be sure to go to Instagram and follow him at Wizard Bomb, and you can check out our kids' YouTube channel at Socratica Kids on YouTube. If you haven't already, please rate and review this show on iTunes, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Cassie Jerkins. Uh, no, no drawings, but definitely pictures of my cats and you know me doing comedy and stuff and it's a lot of fun and uh if you're shopping on amazon go to boardwalkaudio.com slash dumb nerds click on that support our artist button and it takes you straight to amazon so you can shop like you normally would and it gives us a little kickback to keep this show running that's it for today have a great week bye And a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.